Thank you for tuning in. As always, I'd like to start with this disclaimer. I don't have all the answers, and you don't have all the answers, but the best way to pursue the truth is through open-minded discourse, and I hope to contribute in part to that today with a quick thought. Last week, the United States of America braved another government shutdown. Surprisingly, no airplanes fell from the sky, no buildings crumbled, and society as we know it still managed to function. How did we get to another government shutdown, you may ask? None other than Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. He objected to the Continuing Resolution Bill, otherwise known as a CR or Omnibus, as it continued to spend absurdly high levels of money and increases our debt by another $300 billion. His objection thus caused a delay in the process, and the government was shut down, if only for a couple of hours. Now, next week I'm going to talk a little bit more in depth about the annual budget, or why CR and omnibus spending is a blight on governance, but this week I want to respond to some criticism thrown at Senator Paul in his objection. Now, just to clarify terms, the national debt is the total amount owed by our nation either to foreign countries or to companies, contractors, and workers within the United States, which would be paid via tax revenue. The deficit is the amount of money we spend more than we make. Example, if we make $50 a day in taxes and we spend $75 a day on programs, we have a deficit of $25. So last year, President Trump helped Congress push a massive tax reform bill through, cutting most every American's taxes. Senator Paul supported this cut. Now, a tax cut, of course, means the government will earn less revenue, and so Senator Paul always predicated his support to be coincided with spending cuts to offset them as to not increase the deficit. In fact, for the last eight years, Senator Paul has been railing against increasing the deficit through spending. Critics, however, say he's merely grandstanding, that he's somehow inconsistent on the deficit, since he's objecting to this recent spending bill because it increases the deficit, he shouldn't have supported the tax cuts, since they too increase the deficit. The argument basically says that if you care about the deficit, you have to be opposed to any measures that add to it, cutting taxes included. Now, if you look at the raw numbers, you might think this would be the case. Although there are cogent arguments dealing with the Laffer curve, which might refute the idea that lowering taxes causes less government revenue. In other words, some might argue that when you reduce tax rates, businesses become more profitable, more businesses start, and the economy grows. And as a result, more dollar revenue comes into the government, even if it's a lower percentage. Now, ignoring these arguments, let's assume that cutting taxes necessarily means reducing government revenue. Can you be consistent with wanting to decrease the deficit by supporting reduced spending, but also support reducing tax cuts? I say yes, and I'm going to give an illustration as to why. So let's say five friends live together in a house. We'll call them Giovanni, Alex, Josh, Eli, and Dylan. Now each of them makes $5 a day per person. Giovanni one day says, I'm going to go and buy a meal for us to share. Everyone, please give me $2. So everyone agrees, and they pitch in their $10, and Giovanni buys a meal for them. Now slowly over time, Giovanni adds candy into this mix and takes an extra dollar from everyone. Josh, Alex, and Eli were fine with it, but Dylan didn't like it and voted no. Unfortunately for him, the candy requires everyone's extra money. 
and the group forces Dylan to contribute his extra dollar. So now Giovanni is taking $3 from everyone's salary and buying a meal and candy. Now eventually Alex convinces Giovanni to buy more and more things, until Giovanni is taking out a loan to pay for everything. So he takes $4 a day from each tenant, and then spends an extra $15 from his credit card. Since he's already collecting $20 in taxes from the group, he's spending $35 total on meals, candy, and games. Now, keep in mind, everyone together in this house only makes a revenue of $30, but they're spending $35 on meals, candy, and games. Finally, Eli and Josh look at their paychecks and see they're only getting to keep a dollar a day. They agree with Dylan, who opposed the increase from $2 a day to 3 to begin with, and they all vote for tax cuts, reducing their dollar rate from 4 to 3 Giovanni wants to keep buying everything, though, because Alex said that he would only be his friend if Giovanni keeps bringing home candy and games in addition to the meal. So this means Giovanni starts borrowing more on the credit card. So his spending stays at $35 a month. But now, instead of $20 coming from taxes and $15 from borrowing on the credit card, only $15 comes from taxes and $20 comes from the credit card. This means that they increased the deficit. Now, they call a house meeting and Giovanni asks everyone to confirm that he should keep buying meals, candy, and games. Alex says yes, but Dylan expects that Eli and Josh will refuse with him, since they voted with him the last time. But they don't, and they vote to continue the spending levels. So Dylan decides that he will object and he freezes the credit card temporarily until they make cuts in the spending. Alex calls Dylan hypocritical for protesting this bill for increased spending. He says that even though Dylan says that he's protesting against the bill for increasing the deficit, earlier he voted to increase the deficit by cutting taxes. How can he do both? Now looking at this illustration, do you see how silly this last objection is? Dylan has been consistent from the start. Giovanni should buy meals and take $2 from each person. That is what he's allotted and that is his responsibility. But once Giovanni started spending more and taking more, Dylan wanted to keep Giovanni from buying the extra items, both by not letting more of Dylan's own money being taken and by not letting Giovanni borrow money and load up the credit card debt. Dylan has been the only consistent one, because he recognized that both excessive taxation and spending are beyond the scope of what Giovanni was supposed to do. So in the same way, we have to look at how the government spends tax revenue. Once you see that the government is spending money on way more things than are constitutional, it makes sense that you can be, for both spending cuts and tax cuts, still caring about the deficit. You see, while tax cuts may increase the deficit, the tax rates that are being cut should never have been the government's money to begin with, and wanting to return what is rightfully yours is one of the parts of the equation. Now, equally, if not more important, is getting the spending reduced in order to both decrease the deficit, but also in order to rein in the scope of what government is supposed to do. Now, ultimately, looking at the deficit, you have to realize that tax rates, spending, and deficits are more nuanced than simply looking at the numbers, because you have to understand the philosophy behind the spending and the tax rates. 
Saying that wanting to cut tax rates necessarily means you don't care about the deficit is akin to saying that a doctor doesn't care about his patient coming to harm if he supports setting a bone. After all, setting a bone hurts like the dickens. How can a doctor say that he doesn't want harm to come to his patient when he's inflicting such pain to him? Realize that spending reductions and tax rate reductions are both pieces of a component of reigning in the government. After all, if you only reduce the spending, but keep the tax rates the same, it's only going to be so long before the government will use that unused revenue and start overextending until it starts borrowing money all over again. Thank you for spending your time on A Quick Thought.